Welcome to Creative Codex. I am your host, MJ Dorian. This is a new mini-sode series that I'll be playing with month to month in between the long-form episodes. It's called Today in Creative History, or T-I-C-H for short. The goal of it will be to highlight the many strange, entertaining, and noteworthy events in the history of creativity. Each episode will be a little snack-sized version of the Creative Codex show that you know and love. Let's give it a try, shall we? Join me for a dive into the history of creativity and see what happened on this date. Today in Creative History. The date, August 18th, 1969. The place, Woodstock, New York. It's the final day of the historic Woodstock concert, originally billed as three days of peace and music. The venue is set up on a 600-acre dairy farm in upstate New York. It is a pivotal moment in rock music history and a defining event for the counterculture movement of the 1960s and 70s. The counterculture movement, at this time, is intertwined with rock culture. It supports the civil rights movement and also frequently protests the Vietnam War. Needless to say, this is a turbulent time in the United States of America, a country still experiencing its growing pains, from the passage of the Voting Rights Act of 1965, which outlawed discrimination at the voting booths, to President JFK's assassination six years ago, to the military draft, still active, which forces young men to join in fighting a war overseas that few understand or believe in. Two years before Woodstock, the heavyweight boxing champion of the world, Muhammad Ali, receives his draft letter and refuses to join the military on religious grounds. He is afterwards convicted to five years in prison, a verdict he is able to fight by paying a large bond and being stripped of his heavyweight title for five years. It's in this cultural atmosphere that Woodstock, the concert of peace, love, and music, is born. Over three days, 400,000 people are in attendance in the vast open-air field. They've come to see the bands that will later define the 1960s era. The Grateful Dead, Janis Joplin, Santana, Sly and the Family Stone, Jefferson Airplane, The Who, and many others. The final act on the final day is 26-year-old Jimi Hendrix, a young guitarist and songwriter from Seattle who only started playing guitar 11 years ago. By this point in his short career, Hendrix has already reimagined what is possible on the electric guitar. He's both a visionary songwriter and virtuoso guitarist whose genius will be studied and appreciated by musicians for decades to come. Unbeknownst to the crowd in attendance, on this final performance of the final day of Woodstock, they are witnessing a legendary moment of music history. Hendrix is on stage with a one-off band, made up of his usual drummer and bassist, and complemented by an assortment of other random musicians. At one point, he tells the audience they've named the band Gypsy Sun and Rainbows, and later in the set, he calls them Sky Church. 
They've already played an impressive set, including Hendrix's hits, Foxy Lady, Spanish Castle Magic, Red House, and Voodoo Child. Towards the end of the set, the dust settles on the stage as the band awaits the cue from Jimmy for what they will play now. What happens next even surprises his fellow musicians. Hendrix goes off script and plays something they didn't practice in rehearsal. begins to play the first strains of the Star-Spangled Banner. He's playing the melody without any embellishments. The band hasn't rehearsed this, so they improvise around it. And then he gets to the phrase, and the rocket's red glare. The crowd just stares, dumbfounded. Then Hendrix plays the phrase, the bombs bursting in air. This sonic barrage that echoes across the fields, this is war. In between the strains of that familiar anthem, the audience is hearing rockets, sirens, bombs dropping, explosions, machine gun fire. In their mind's eye, they see plumes of smoke rising from napalm carnage and pain. Gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. Then, something else. Before the final verse, Hendrix weaves in the melody for the song Taps, which is a theme often played during military funerals.
This is not just a song. It's a sonic poem. Think about it, like an abstract expressionist sound painting. Before Jimi Hendrix and his electric guitar, there was never anything like this on Earth. What makes this statement even more remarkable is that Jimi Hendrix wasn't just your average hippie. He was a soldier, too. Before embarking on his rock career, he served in the 101st Airborne, stationed in Kentucky, and although he wasn't deployed to Vietnam, he followed the war closely and knew many who had been. To many writers, music critics, and journalists, this explosive performance of the national anthem will be remembered as the theatrical climax of the 1960s, a fierce anti-war statement by one of the most brilliant guitarists to ever grace the planet. But to Hendrix, I don't think he saw it as a protest song. He was never so blunt with his creative intentions. He is an artist to the core. I honestly think Hendrix was just reacting to the energy in the air in society at that time. In the weeks that followed this performance, there was some controversy about Hendrix's distorted interpretation. So journalists began asking him to explain himself. At a news conference a few weeks after Woodstock, Hendrix was asked about the performance. He said, We play it the way the air is in America today. The air is slightly static, see? Unquote. And after having personally appreciated many of the recordings of his feedback-heavy live performances, I have no doubt that he thought it would be a worthwhile creative challenge to represent those lines and the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air, in musical form. It's not just a song. It's a sonic poem, an abstract expressionist sound painting. <laughs> But great creative works often take on a life of their own, outside of the control of the creator, once they are released into the world. So to everyone else, it came to represent something much more specific. The author, Charles Shar Murray, in his biography about Hendrix, called Crosstown Traffic, talks about the significance of that performance. He writes, It is probably the most complex and powerful work of art to deal with the Vietnam War and its corrupting, distorting effect on successive generations of the American psyche. One man with one guitar said more in three and a half minutes about that peculiarly disgusting war and its reverberations than all the novels, memoirs, and movies put together." Unquote. This has been Today in Creative History from Creative Codex. I hope you enjoyed it. I am your host, MJ Dorian. If you'd like to become a supporter of Creative Codex and gain access to all the exclusive episodes, including my Kurt Cobain series, just head on over to patreon.com forward slash MJ Dorian. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash M-J-D-O-R-I-A-N. And you can start enjoying all the extra content today. 
The link for that is also in the episode description. Thank you in advance for your support. If you'd like to buy me a coffee, or perhaps some new guitar strings, so I can practice some Hendrix songs, you can now do so on Venmo. Just head on over to the search box and type at Creative Codex. That's one word. It will appear in the Businesses tab. I've also put a direct link in the episode description. And thank you in advance for that. Until next time, peace, love, and music.